Hey everyone, David Chen here, and before we get to today's episode of the podcast, I want to mention a couple quick things. First of all, we recorded this episode last week, and a lot has changed in the last week with regards to the coronavirus situation that we're all going through. Uh, and so one of the things we didn't know when we recorded last week is that uh, A Quiet Place 2, which is the movie we said we're going to be reviewing next week, that movie release has been postponed along with many other movie releases. Uh, safe to say that we are going to have to change up how we are doing the show, and we're talking actively about how we're going to do that, because generally this podcast features a review of a new movie every week, and that's probably not going to be the way we're going to do it moving forward, uh, at least in the short term. So stay tuned. We should have more info next week about how we're planning on proceeding. Uh, and of course, if you have any feedback, uh, you can always email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. We're considering a bunch of different things, reviewing old movies, doing top five lists, etc. Um, but yeah, tweet at us at slashfilmcast. Uh, that's the word slashfilmcast as well as email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Those are ways to get in touch and let us know what your thoughts are. Finally, on last week's episode, I encouraged you all to uh, seek out reputable journalistic sources. Uh, and on that same podcast, I think we might have given out an incorrect statistics about mortality rate uh, regarding uh, COVID-19. And so uh, I do just want to encourage people to check out sources like The Daily, which is the New York Times Daily podcast. They're doing some great work. And we'll link to a few of the episodes they have around coronavirus in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, check those out. Uh, that's a better source of scientific information than the Slash Homecast. Uh, but uh, I would encourage people to listen to those episodes and uh, incorporate their advice into your life. Okay, all that said, here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Venture Hardwire. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show. On today's episode of the pod, we're going to discuss what we've been watching. Then we're going to move on into some After Dark topics. Got a bunch of stuff to discuss today. Dave, can I uh, just stop you real, real quick? Yeah. Don't call it a pod, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. I know it's early in the episode for me to, for me to say this, but... <laughs> Please, I can't, I can't, I can't with the what's, pod. Can you tell me what's wrong with the pod? I don't want to be, it's not a pod. The pod is the device. <laughs> it's like a, call like a blog post a blog. Yeah. So, so I guess, yeah, I guess you think Pod Save America is built on a fallacy then. Yes. <laughs> I, hey, look, look, those are charming fellas. I like their, uh, I like their, their banter. You like the and cuts their, of their jibs. Their, 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 I do. Their sharp wit and their, uh. Cutting insights into the politics of the day, but I don't cotton to uh, calling it pod. It's not a pod. Mm. You can call it a cast. It's a cast or a podcast. <laughs> All right, I, I I now know more about what triggers today you. on the pod. It's not a pod. It's not a pod. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's very <laughs> early for us to be derailed in such a dramatic manner, but. Uh, I got I you know what? I got to stand up. Sometimes I just got to stand up. All right. Let's start over again. No, leave that in. You got to leave that in. You got to leave it in. No. No, I am not going to leave it in. Why not? not That's what in. this episode's all about. This is the This is the off episode. It's all about that stuff. <laughs> leave that in and leave this in. Leave this discussion <laughs> about whether it should be in in. I'll tell you what. I'm going to take it from the top. 
just in case I don't want to leave it in. How about that? Sure. Jeff, okay. How dare but you. maybe I will leave it in. So then you'll hear this entire thing plus me starting over again, which is a thrilling demonstration of our professionalism. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardwire and Jeff Kanata. And today on the podcast, what we're going to be discussing is a bunch of what we've been watching. We've been watching shows like Devs, like Dave, like Breeders, all on Hulu. Plus, Jeff's going to tell us what he thought about Onward. Uh, and we, we, we've watched a bunch of stuff. So, so stick around, and then we're going to follow that up with some After Dark. Got a bunch of topics to discuss. So should be a fun episode. Let's get right into it. Now, typically on what we've been watching, I'll go to each person and say, like, what have you been watching? What have you been watching? Here's what I've been watching. Uh, in that tone of voice, because that's how I speak. Yeah. And uh, rather than do that today, there's several things that se- like more than one of us have w- have watched, right? So I thought, let's just cover those right at the top. Let's yeah. talk about what we've been watching together. And we've watched, uh, me and Jeff have watched uh, three things. And also, Devinder, you've watched one of those three things, right? Yeah. And when Dave says together, yeah. he means on the same couch, yes. cuddled under the same blanket, sharing the same bowl of freshly popped popcorn. I was the big spoon in this era. Yeah, it's yeah. a bad idea. It's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have uh, also seen. I'm just looking at our list here. I've also seen The Outsider. So, I'm yeah, all yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, although I, I assume Jeff just started The Outsider. Let's let's start? actually. Can we start with that? Did you finish okay. The Outsider? Because last week, if you'll remember, not last week, uh-huh. two yes. weeks ago, yeah. two weeks ago, yeah, yeah, the, you called upon me. Yes, to, I did. <laughs> adjudicate this disagreement to be the deciding vote uh, between Dave, who found uh, The Outsider to be, I think he said, the best show that currently is on television. Good and, God. And Devendra, who found it to be uh, hogwash, I think was the word he used. I, I, not necessarily hogwash, but certainly frustrating. Yeah. While trying to be good. Yeah. And I'm here to say that one of you is 100% correct. Oh, I know wow. what you're going with. And that person, against all odds, ladies and gentlemen, is Dave Chen. Uh, oh! I, I, you know why? Because it's, it's the Bateman, it's the Bateman, like, pull. <laughs> the Bateman Jeff, pull. You, you, can't, you can't do it. You can't avoid The Bateman it. pull. I, also, by the way, the, the original title of Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Hmm. The Bateman pull? <laughs> no, one, no one got that joke. I anyway, got continue. It. I, got I got it. it. I got it. <laughs> the, is there the, is there's a Bates Motel thing happening somehow. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh shit! No, I was thinking of uh, American Psycho. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's better. I thought you were going. I some, completely some ruined the joke. I completely ruined the joke. You're gonna say that we're we're already here, and you're gonna pull that stuff out of the beginning of the show. Come on, <laughs> it sets the tone. It sets the tone. Um, so, just like Dave, my wife and I actually binged the entire series in about three days. Are you serious? The entire The Outsider. We have watched all of The Outsider. We last night watched the last episode as it premiered That's on great HBO. Great way to see it. Yeah. Uh, we watched. Wow. The, we watched. We watched eight episodes in in like three days, and then the ninth and tenth as they aired, and um, riveted the whole time. This is not my wife's genre by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, uh, and yet riveted. She was. She couldn't wait to watch next episode. We were going back and forth with our theories about what it is. It was uh, we. It was very fun to watch. I want to do a spoiler talk because there's so many spoilers yes. in the yeah. show. Yeah. I really want to do. Maybe we can do an after dark after dark spoiler yeah, talk. We, we that can be one. I put it in the in the notes. It's one of our potential after dark. But I, so. I have I have some non spoiler things to say about the show, which is yeah, sure. one of them is I love how the show is shot. Uh, 
camera is put in some weird places. I love it. There, it, it establishing shots in this show are like crazy uh, behind. The camera's always behind something in The Outsider, which I love. It is underneath things. There's one shot in one of the episodes. I can't remember which episode it is, but it's the episode where um, one of the characters gets on a bus and takes a long bus ride. And there's a shot where I turn to my wife and I'm like, how long did it take to set up that shot? There's a shot where the, the camera is literally like stuck on the roof of the bus in the cargo container, like behind some stuff, just to establish that she's on a bus. I love that how that the show is shot, how it establishes locations, just putting the camera in weird places, behind banisters, underneath things, around corners, where we're looking through just like a, a, somebody's you know elbow and armpit crack just to see a, a little bit of face in the window across the street. You really you're really selling it, right? It's now. cool, man. It's not it doesn't look like any other show. And you know there's like it, it really shallow depth of field on stuff. It's really very stylish and cool. Um I kind of wish I didn't know it was a Stephen King joint before I started watching no, as I was watching it, you know, I was watching it and the credits would come up and it said based on novel by Stephen King because it very much starts like a traditional uh cop show. And uh, I like how crazy it gets and how, you know, fun and Stephen Kingy it gets. Um, and I was worried that the end was going to be bad because Stephen King's endings are pretty bad usually. And I thought the end was pretty good. I, I found the show to be really satisfying and really fun and the characters really different and interesting. It, I was a huge find and I'm so glad you guys asked me to watch it because I don't think I would have. Uh, and I will say, I will say, stepping back for a second. There's a lot of really rough stuff, especially as a parent, really rough mm. stuff. Um, that's hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, there was lots the, of- mo- This show is really selling my wife on the idea of moving to Georgia, which yeah. is where apparently Oof. every terrible child <laughs> murder happens on TV between this and, uh, what was it, Mindhunters season two, and uh, yeah. even even Doctor Sleep, which was mostly shot in Georgia. Like, it, it was all, yeah. That's great. Well, don't blame, the, don't blame the murders in Georgia. Blame the- tax exempt status for shooting films in Georgia. <laughs> um, but the, um, the, yeah, there are, I mean, there's a lot of parts where my wife and I had to turn away from the screen. It, there's yeah. a lot of very horrible, I mean, it, it really goes there. It, I think even more than it needed to, it's a hor- it's a very much a horror show and it drives home just how awful some of these things happen to very young kids. And that as a, Parent of very young kids is a hard thing to stomach. Uh, and, and then it'll show close-ups of things that it just, it's, it didn't need to do that. And I wish it hadn't. And that's hard, honestly hard for me to yeah. get through. But I think the show is really entertaining and, and fun and different. It was cool. I'm glad to hear it, Jeff. And I'm glad to hear that yet again, the mantra that Dave Chen is right uh, has been reinforced again on this show. I mean, so. listen, when you guys wait and binge watch a show that's been going on for two months after <laughs> after I've talked about it and said, hey, this is worth checking out. Uh, I, I'd like to, I wonder who's ultimately right here. Uh, I will say, I will say, guys, um, you, you didn't spend the past two months waiting for the show to start moving. Like that's, I think that's where my frustration kind of started with it, and it gets going after a while, especially once Cynthia Erivo appears. Um, and yeah, the finale, I, I, it was good. I, I think it was a solid finale. There's a shootout in this season uh, towards the end, and yeah, I think pretty much the finale. Harrowing. That I think is great. Yeah. Great. Harrowing. Great for Harrowing. TV. Oof. Yeah, it's it's just insane. Um, I feel like this show would have been much stronger if it was like six or seven episodes. Just 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 a feeling. Like it doesn't. 
it doesn't hit me as hard as something like Sharp Objects did, which like knocked me on my ass. Like that show and the just the very way that show ended and all the twists and turns, like that show just felt so well connected. Whereas this one is like, well, you know, this is a prestige TV show, so we gotta put the camera over here. We gotta be <laughs> like you gotta put it under somebody's somebody's armpit. No one's done that before, right? <laughs> um, I did get a lot of sense of like try hardness with the show, but hey, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I cannot wait to argue about the next HBO thing because I'm sure uh, well, they have the uh, the next one with Nicole Kidman, right? Starting in New York, so that's gonna be the next one to talk about. Oh, the next uh, HBO miniseries. Yeah, we should say we don't know if it's gonna be a season two of The Outsider. They've been calling it a season finale. Yeah, not which a, implies not a that there might finale. be a future season. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, but we, maybe we can talk about this in After Dark, but yeah. yeah, that's The Outsider, it's on HBO, uh, I was extremely disappointed by the finale, but, Aww. you know, we can talk about that later, uh, but overall, uh, we all, we all enjoyed it, and I'd highly recommend it, I, it was, this is one of those shows that is worth the journey, even though I was disappointed by the finale, and other people think the finale is great, so there you go. All right, uh, what else have we been watching? Uh, so Devs is a new show by Alex Garland that released its first two episodes this past week. Um, by the time you're listening to this, I think episode three and or four will have been released. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, uh, Alex Garland has directed all eight, ep- wrote and directed all eight episodes. Uh, and it's about this kind of Google-esque, Apple-esque company down in... Uh, the Bay Area that has a secret group of people called devs that are working on a project that shan't be disclosed. Uh, Devingra, you had watched the entire series, is that right? Yep. And Jeff, did you watch the first two episodes or just the first one? Or? I've seen the first two. Yeah. Yeah. As of, this, as of our recording, two are the only. That's the max you could have seen at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff, what did you think of devs? I uh, am blown away by this show. I mean, Alex Garland. I love and he's bringing all his talent to bear here. Uh, I mean, this show is gorgeous. It's just dripping with quality, beautifully shot performances are awesome. I didn't know anything about it when I when I started watching it and I loved how it sort of drew me in and the twists and turns and main characters that maybe aren't main characters. And it just, it's, uh, it's cool. Uh, this the show is super cool. I love how confident the show is in not having to explain much. It, yep. it it really just lets you not know things, keeps you in the dark for a long time, and that I respect that because a lot of shows don't uh, feel nervous about losing the audience, uh, and this show knows that it's got you. And it can... Nick Offerman's haunted eyes just kind of sell everything, dude. In this show, Nick yeah. Nick Offerman as the dude. <laughs> but the darkest the dude you've ever seen. Yeah, if the dude was Google CEO. Yeah, yeah. if the <laughs> yeah if the dude was uh, uh you know used his powers for evil or whatever. Um, he uh he is very not Nick Offerman, right? He's very much he, Nick Offerman. Feels like he's played a variation on his character from Parks and Rec and almost everything. Mm-hmm. And it's such an iconic character that character from Parks and Rec. It's so interesting to see him play a hundred and eighty degrees from that character. Um, and he's great. The show is great. The casting across the board is really cool and interesting. Uh, it feels like it respects tech, which is rare in Hollywood. Getting less rare, but traditionally very rare in Hollywood to feel like as somebody that understands tech a bit, not to feel like your intelligence is completely insulted when the you know show talks about yeah. tech. 
Uh, it's definitely a new thing to be afraid of, too, like the realities of what we could unlock with quantum commuting. Yeah. Uh, nobody's quite done that yet. That is the next step after being afraid of our AIs becoming sentient. Right. Um, yeah. It's freaky, wild shit. It's, it's super cool. Visually, it's really great. I mean, I love the look of this weird thing the devs are in. It, I, man, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on this show. Dave, are you into it? I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of... Like, tonally, I think this is somewhere between Ex Machina and Annihilation. Yeah. I, I loved Ex Machina. I, I, I That's a movie I'll, like, revisit, like, once every year because I enjoy it so much. Uh, Annihilation, I'm, I just didn't like that much. And I think that, like, part of it is the tone is so, like, people speak like they're in a Kubrick movie. You know, they're like, hi, my name is David Chen. And this is how I'm talking right now. You it know, was like weird that that character it, called himself David Chen. I'll admit that. It was super weird. It was so weird. And, you know, their affect is super flat. It's very... And th that's how all the people in the show speak. And it's just like, uh, you know, I don't... This doesn't feel real to me. You know, like, that. the, the, the tone of it kind of gets in the way for me sometimes. But I love the ideas. It's exploring actually extremely similar ideas to Westworld Season 2, I think. Uh-huh. Um, where it, it, the question is... Human beings like to think, oh, we're super unpredictable. You know, like, like no one can ever guess what I'm going to do next. I'm, I'm a wild, impulsive human. And Westworld season two is like, actually, humans are really easy to predict. They're kind of this, uh, this bundle of like basic drives and needs that like we we all know we we can actually predict with startling accuracy what you're going to do. And this movie, this show, Devs, kind of dives into that idea as well. Like, what if we could predict what humans, or not what humans, but like, what if we could predict what uh, life is reality. going to be like? The nature yeah. of reality. What, what if yeah. we predict my, the future? You know, one of my favorite book series of all time, the Foundation novels by Isaac yes. Asimov. I mean, yes. Harry Seldon and his uh, his psycho... Uh, what is it? Psycho history. Psycho history. Psycho history. Yeah. I, I think it's amazing. He basically sneakily remade Foundation in, in the guise of like, <laughs> that's yeah, what I was Valley thinking. Show. I was like, that, this is the foundation basically, but done, you know, kind of based on what today's version of science and, and corporations is. But I mean, I think if the foundation is, you know, comes out of uh, Isaac Asimov's idyllic vision of the future from the 60s, 50s and 60s. And it's like, it's sad that that where we are now is it, this is a terrifying thing and these corporations <laughs> will control us with their vision of the future. But when you think about what the foundation is, it's a pretty terrifying thing where there's one dude who decides the entire thousands of years in the future <laughs> progress based on what he thinks is the best for humanity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love those books. And so I, I definitely was, was digging on this version of that idea. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest question for me is, could I get to the first couple episodes and am I going to continue watching? And yeah, I'm hooked. I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, it helps that it's only eight episodes long, but I'm going to go uh, all the way to the end. So Enjoy. I, I'm psyched. I'm psyched. I think um, that this that. whole like FX on Hulu initiative is turning out pretty well. I, I, you know, yeah. the, there's some really solid stuff coming out of them. Yeah. I mean, like I mean, three of the four things we're talking about here, like uh, we're all on Hulu this week. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Uh, so in addition to devs, uh, Jeff and I also watched the original series Dave, the Hulu original series Dave, or FX original series Dave, and Breeders, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what did you, I, I think you watched these at my suggestion, right? Is that I right, I did, Jeff? both of them yeah. at your suggestion. What so, is wrong so let's with, start with me breeder. listening to you? <laughs> 
let's start with Breeders, right? This is a new show. Uh, I'll say, um, uh, I'll read the the one sentence plot summary uh, off of the internet, which is, quote, Breeders explores the paradox experienced by nearly all parents, the willingness to die for one's children coupled with the near constant desire to kill them. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, the plot summary of Breeders. And it also stars- Also the plot uh, summary of the last three years of my life. Oh, hey oh. <laughs> uh, it stars Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggard as parents who are trying to kind of get their kids under control. I, I watched the first five minutes of this show and I, I immediately, I, I paused it and I texted Jeff Kanata and I said, Jeff, have you watched Breeders? Because this is a Jeff show. Yeah. This is, this is a show that Jeff needs to watch. Yeah. And now having watched it, Jeff, is it in fact a Jeff show? So I'm going to spoil the plot of the first episode of Breeders, but that's yeah. okay. This is a comedy. It's not a, really about the plot. So, yep. but if you w- don't want to be spoiled on the first episode of Breeders, then skip forward. But the first episode of Breeders is about <laughs> the father of two children trying desperately to get them to go to sleep so he can have some time. <laughs> And as I was watching this episode of Breeders with my wife, <laughs> I was living the episode of Breeders. It yeah. was comic. I kept turning to my wife because my son would yell something from his room <laughs> and I would have to pause the Breeders of the, the dad going into the kid yelling in the room. I'd have to pause that and go in and attend to my kid yelling in the room. It was comical how... It echoed exactly what was happening. I mean, everything saved the alcoholism. I was like, this is like my life, except for the alcoholism. Um, for so, you, it's podcasting instead of alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so true. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's great. I mean, it's very British, very, very British to the point where it's almost like, what did he say? But um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's great. And they're, you know, I mean, it's British in the way that they like, they like say fuck to their kids and they say twat, you know, <laughs> you know things like that. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, I very much relate to this. I I love the second episode as well. Um, which is, you know, that feeling of, of sort of competing with your neighbors and feeling inadequate as a parent at the same time. And yeah, I mean, this, this show feels like the truth and is, is quite entertaining. It's, it's of a new, I don't, I was going to say of a new breed of show. It's a show called breeders, but Mm. it's of a new kind of trend I'm noticing in shows where, it's just like Hollywood admitting through fiction that we all have horrible thoughts, you know, that we're all just awful underneath. There was a time in my youth when TV was about projecting this image where everybody was just, was great. And, you know, the comedy came from trying real hard to be good. And now that there's all these shows about like, I'm the worst, you're the worst, we're awful. And that, you know, (laughs) that's kind of literally a show called you're the worst. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I've watched lots of it. Um, you know, there's a, and you know, show, uh, 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 the good plays, all these shows where like the, the main characters are just all, you know, feel like they're just terrible people, irredeemable people. And it's an interesting, I think, view into the psyche of the time, the zeitgeist, uh, to, to feel like we're all feeling, especially as parents, there's all these new shows now. I'm the Catherine Reitman show that I enjoy very much. Um, my wife and I enjoyed very much, which whose name escapes me right now. Um, oh man, what's it called? Catherine Reitman. Yeah, yeah. Are um, you thinking of Catherine Hahn? Is that no Catherine Reitman? Um, okay. Oh god, what is it called? She was in Mrs. Fletcher, which is anyway. 
Um, she does. She writes and created a show that I've talked about many times in this the show. It's like it's its fourth mm-hmm. season on something. I can't remember the name of it right now. It doesn't matter. Um, it, <laughs> Work, working moms. Working moms. Yeah, it's it's all that stuff. Like feeling inadequate, feeling bad about yourself, feeling like you're a terrible person. A lot of these shows are about that, especially with parents. And that's something that's very relatable. You know, you feel like, oh man, I'm the only parent that wants to strangle my kid and tell him to shut the fuck up. There's a great moment in the second episode of Breeders where they're having an argument uh, or a discussion about uh, which school to go to take their kids to outside the kids' room and the kids are screaming inside. And he like opens the door and goes, shut the fuck up or I'll kill you. And then closes the, <laughs> the door. And then without a beat goes, I just want what's best for the kids. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like that. Those two realities are happening exactly the same moment. Um, and, so, you know, I loved it. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad, you know, Dave Chen nailed it again, first of all. Um, but also. <laughs> hashtag Dave Chen nailed it. <laughs> hashtag Dave Chen nailed it. Also, uh, here's the thing. I watched the first two episodes and I don't know if I can keep watching this show because in most shows when the dad like opens the door up and shouts at his kid like shut the fuck up you know he's like usually imagining it like you cut to him yeah you know like not doing that and then just imagining it this dad actually does it so it seems clear to me that he has some really (laughs) deep-seated anger issues yeah you know know what I mean like I'm guessing that's gonna be a plot that's gonna be worked out but like that's just a little too dark for me I feel like it's a British thing because, like, his dad says fuck to him. I mean, his dad, like, the the grandfather yeah. is, you know, and I feel like it, they just use the see you next Tuesday word more casually, you know? They're, they're just, <laughs> it's just a British thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, br- British people, you know, they like to get a pint down at the yeah, pub. They'll call and they you like a, to uh, call you scream a twat, at their kids. And that's just how it is. It's like, hey, twat. They like know? to scream the F word at their kids. But it's charming. It's what, it's what, it's what British people do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, maintaining your home life, we got to thank our, our first sponsor today, uh, HelloFresh. Yes, I get to tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. Oh my goodness, I love HelloFresh so much. It's changed my life. It's made me into somebody that enjoys cooking, enjoys really providing for my family. Uh, my wife and I sort of have a deal. I tell her, hey, I get to cook the dinners and do the dishes because you do so much other stuff. It still doesn't really work out to be equal, but... I like it because I can actually really cook and provide for the family because of HelloFresh, because HelloFresh reduces all the pain points, takes away all the things I didn't like. I don't have to figure out what I'm making. They have amazing recipes. They have recipes that you can put on the table in about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their uh, quick recipe options. And I'm not stressed out by the meal planning because the recipes are actually delicious and awesome. They have all kinds of different uh, meal plans, something for everybody. Low-calorie, vegetarian, family-friendly recipes. That's what we do with, with my family. We do the family plan so that uh, we can have enough for the kids and my wife and myself. It's so great. And it reduces the other pain point of having to go to the grocery store I mean, I can't even tell you right now going to the grocery store is a, is a crazy thing. So why not start up HelloFresh where you can come home and just have the things delivered right to your door? It's in – you can stay inside like we're all supposed to be doing right now. You can stay inside and have uh, delicious ingredients, amazing recipes delivered right to your door. Uh, it's 
um, the, the all the shipping stuff is almost made entirely from recyclable um, or already recycled content, which is great. Uh, their carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made items, meals. That's pretty great. You're actually helping the uh, the environment also, which is pretty great. And you're going to eat delicious things. You got options. You've got a variety in your meals. And you feel awesome because you're cooking. I feel amazing when I make HelloFresh meals because I uh, I learn how to cook. I learn how to cut things. I learn how to – I create food. I know what's going into it for my family. I'm not worried about all the, a bunch of crap going in my food. I'm not worried about other people touching my, my food. I made it. I use the, the ingredients. I know exactly what's in it. It's pretty great. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit, so you should get in on this action. And if you go right now to HelloFresh.com slash slash film 10 and use the promo code slash film 10, you'll get the equivalent of 10 free meals, including free shipping. Wow, that's amazing. That's HelloFresh.com slash the word slash film 10, S-L-A-S-H-F-I-L-M. One zero, and then that promo code slash film ten. You get what works out to ten free meals. Wow, including free shipping. That's pretty awesome. So go to hellofresh.com slash film ten and start eating better. Let's move on. Uh, the other thing that Jeff and I watch is also the uh, Hulu slash FX series Dave. Uh, which is a little bit confusingly named because there's also a movie named Dave and Dave's also a pretty <laughs> common name. Uh, but yeah, uh, this show called Dave. What on compelled Hulu. you to watch this, Dave? Well, honestly, Dave. I'm in a I'm in a Slack group with some some fine gents, and uh-huh. uh, they one of them recommended it. Longtime listener uh, Mike Appariccio recommended Dave on Hulu, oh, and I was like, you know what? I, I thought you were going. I'm gonna. A group with some Daves, and we are always on the yeah. lookout for good Dave material. Trust me, I've definitely thought about it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm going to read the plot summary from Hulu. Dave centers on a neurotic man in his late 20s who has convinced himself that he's destined to be one of the best rappers of all time. End quote. And we'll just we'll leave it at that. Uh, so I watched the first two episodes, and I thought they were both hilarious. It's it's like this kind of cringe comedy of this character Dave getting into these painfully awkward situations and saying always the wrong thing at the wrong time. And uh, yeah, I mean that's that's most of the show. Uh, but Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Dave? I love Dave. I love Dave. I love Dave. But Dave, I I I don't think that is an accurate explanation of the show. I really don't. All right, fair enough. Because I heard fair you enough. say that. But what did you think of the show? I know you love me, Jeff. What did you think of the show? I love Dave. <laughs> I love Dave. Uh, Dave. I don't think honestly. I you know you said it's, it's this cringeworthy thing, and I feel like that is that evokes the Office and curb your enthusiasm. Yes. That's what I'm trying I to. I do evoke. not think this show is that. I don't think that sh- this show is that because you know why? Because the the thing that gets brought along with that description, the the baggage of that description, yes. is a main character that is uh, is sort of blind to his own uh, oafishness, you know? An oaf, really. You get the Michael Scotts, you get the David Brents, you get the, uh, you know... Kirby Enthusiasm, uh, what's his name in Kirby Enthusiasm, his actual name. Um, Larry David. Yeah, Larry David. You get the Larry Davids. Uh, and you, 
they're fun to watch, but because but they are they bring it on themselves. They are doing dumb things. What I love about this show, this Dave show, is you have a guy who is being earnest, who is being circumspect, who is being who's really caring to do the right thing, really trying hard to be a good person and doing the right thing. He's he's not he's not an oaf. He is in over his head often and oftentimes will say things a little too honestly, but he's always coming from this like beautiful heartfelt place. And I just I love it. He gets himself into into awkward situations but only because he's really genuinely trying to do a good thing and be a good person. And there's so many wonderful moments in this show where in any other show he wouldn't say something or he'd let something go and he's like no 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 I, I just want I want to be clear here that I'm saying this and he's like being a good guy. It's great. He like loves his girlfriend. He's really sweet to her. He does some things that she finds object- objectionable, but he explains them in very earnest ways. It's not like Larry David, where you're like, this guy is a douchebag most of the time, or he'll say things because he's has a very specific point of view. And that point of view is sort of um, misanthropic and, you know, narrow-minded. You know, he's not that at all. He's like, he's really trying really hard to kind of think about the world and make sense of it and, and, and come from a place of compassion and caring. And, I love this sh- I love the show. It's hilarious. He's great. The cast is great. It, it, it goes to places you don't expect. I, I'm so hooked on the show. I think it's one of the best new comedies I've seen in a long, long time. I am I am an over the moon for this show. Hashtag Dave Chen nailed it again. <laughs> but I think uh, here's what I'll give you, Jeff. I think it has more heart than uh, a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, like yeah. I, I, I agree with you there, uh, I, I, and I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. The, the main character Dave is genuinely like trying to do his best, but and the, the question is, what is the gulf between doing your best and actually doing good? And within that gulf is where a lot of comedy lies. And the you know, I think you're you're leaning on like he's he's really in general doing a good job of that. And uh, uh, you know, I think maybe it's it's more vague and more gray than that, but. We both like the show a lot. Uh, this is another show I'm going to keep watching. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. So that's Dave. It's on Hulu. Jeff and I are slightly different opinions of it. But uh, anyway, so those are the things we've all been watching. Yeah, I just want to say one out- one more th- quick thing yeah, in, in that I couldn't believe that the three things I watched on Hulu, which is a service that I've temp- been tempted to cancel several times, <laughs> but all three of them I came away going, uh, these are some of the best shows I've watched in a while. Yes. Dave devs and breeders all of them i was like wow good good on you hulu and i guess fx because this weird this weird like fx on hulu thing that's happening but yeah man uh three i i found i think i think honestly three home runs at with three at bats there i think that's great yeah Uh, what's interesting about the fx and hulu is like it'll air on fx and then it'll be on Hulu. So you get the best of both worlds. You know, if you don't have Hulu and you just have FX, you can still watch it on TV. But I got to say, so. the FX streaming app is garbage. Yeah, well, they're not, they're not, they're yeah. deprecating that at this point. You don't point, have to do so. that anymore. Yeah. 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 Well, good. Another bonus, uh, by the way, Terriers is on Hulu now. So go watch that. Such show. a good show. It is still among the best. Yeah. All right, those are all the things we've more than one of us has watched. Let's get into stuff that uh, each one of us has watched individually. Jeff Kanata, tell us about Pixar's latest Onward. You should have gone into Vindra. I've been talking so much already. Um, <laughs> it's okay. But 
Onward, uh, which we decided not to watch uh, for our review last <laughs> week. Uh, I, I'm I'm disappointed. There's a joke there. There's a joke there. Um, yeah, Mo- mostly be- I'll say mostly because of coronavirus. I'm not. I-, I am not joking. Like I actually wanted to go see it, but yeah. Uh, for me, I I literally just didn't go to a theater because yeah, um, coronavirus is going down in Seattle. So, well, I'm sure that listeners to our show have heard me talk almost endlessly uh, about <laughs> my live play Dungeons and Dragons show, The Dungeon Run, which you can find on YouTube or as an audio podcast or on Caffeine. Um, and because I've been making that show now for several months. And I'm the dungeon master, meaning I'm the guy making up the story every week. I spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about Dungeons and Dragons, coming up with stories, thinking about fantasy worlds. I'm not exaggerating. I'm really, truly not exaggerating to say that almost every waking moment that I'm not actively attending to my children or wife, I'm thinking about. Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it is. It, it consumes me. I love it, but I am completely obsessed with creating that show and creating the game world and thinking about all the different things that the players might do and trying to figure out how my world is going to work. So, with that in my head, I entered into Onward, which is Pixar's kind of take on Dungeons and Dragons. And so perhaps I was more inclined than most to enjoy a take on Dungeons and Dragons because I've been obsessed with it uh, for many, many months now and have um, a genuine appreciation of Dungeons and Dragons longstanding. But I really loved Onward. I thought it was great. I'm really not understanding this feeling that it is somehow a subpar Pixar movie that that I've read from others. I thought it was fantastic. It's very funny. It's very clever. And it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of, of real emotional beats. The movie does um, a really excellent job of setups and payoffs, um, almost to the point where I felt like, okay, back off a little bit on the setups and payoffs. Uh, There's certain things that felt a little bit on the nose. Um, And I don't know how much you guys know about this movie. I think a lot of it is given away in the trailers, which is really unfortunate because I didn't know anything about it when I started. And it's really a shame having seen the trailers since uh, how much is given away in the trailers because... Uh, there are some real surprises uh, early on in this movie uh, that I don't want to spoil, but there are certain setups that only work because of those surprises, and it feels like, well, that's a little convenient. Um, but overall, a lovely movie, very, very funny. Chris Pratt is great. It it switches up the very conventional brothers relationship. This is a movie about two brothers that kind of go on an epic quest, and almost always in these kinds of movies, the older brother, the younger brother is trying to, you know, live up to the older brother or, or um, their relationship is strained because the older brother is more mature. And this movie really inverts that and throws it on its head. And the, the older brother is the one who's kind of um, more the, the misfit and more the, um, the, the immature one who has weird, wacky dreams uh, and I, I liked that about it. I thought it was very, very unexpected and uh, very funny, very fun, great take on Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, beautifully animated. I mean, I, I don't know what people w- want more out of a Pixar movie. I thought Onward is definitely in that pantheon of great Pixar movies. I loved it. 
All right. Well, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, Onward didn't resonate too well with audiences either. It's one of the worst performing Pixar openings for for a while, uh, and that's a bummer because to me this felt like Pixar kind of coming out of the era of cranking out nonstop sequels to things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole new era of Pixar movies. Onward is one of them. Uh, I think there's a new movie called Soul that's coming out soon as well um, that I'm really excited about. It's coming out in June. Uh, and so I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for, like, the bold original ideas. And so I hope that, you know, Onward uh, does better in video on demand. I hope Soul catches on in a big way. Uh, but, yeah, that's Onward. It's out in theaters it's such right a, now. It's I'm such glad a cool you ga- it, world that they created. I mean, it's, it's like there was fantasy and then somebody invented technology and then all the fantasy characters forgot fantasy because of technology. And it's, it's a wonderful metaphor for our world and our tech obsessions. And it plays out in a really clever, fun way. I, I mean, it's, it's great. It's a really great, satisfying, fun, well-made movie. I, I, I'm rooting for it as well. And I think it's an, a shame. I don't know if it's a casualty of coronavirus or if it's bad marketing. I mean, I think the movie kind of snuck up on everybody. I don't know what the real problem was, but I urge, even if, if you have even a passing interest in fantasy movies or, you know, fantasy storytelling, wizards and dragons and sword and sorcery stuff, Onward's great. All right. um, Let's move on to what I've been watching. I'll just shout out a couple things real quick. Uh, First of all, I had a chance to watch the 2018 film Freaks, which is currently on Netflix right now. Freaks was written and directed by Zach Lepofsky and Adam Stein. And Zach has actually been a listener to the Slash Filmcast for over 10 years. I actually like did a search in the inbox for Zach, and uh, the first email we got from him was in February of 2009. Wow, so that was a nice. long time ago. And if you go to Netflix right now, at least like when I checked earlier today, Freaks was the number six film on Netflix, like in terms of number of people watching or number of people streaming it, which is a massive accomplishment. Uh, I, and so congratulations to Zach and My Adam. understanding is that and, if anyone who has listened to the Slash Filmcast for at least 10 years makes a movie, that is the Slash Filmcast effect. That's, yeah, it's <laughs> called the Slash Filmcast bump. We saw what movie, happened to Ryan you, Johnson. Yeah, yep. I mean, saw what happened to Ryan Johnson. Us, the the data does not lie, <laughs> my friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So congrats to Zach and Adam. And uh, I'm actually going to be interviewing them on uh, my other podcast, Culturally Relevant. So check that out if you want to hear a conversation about freaks. But I'll just say really quickly, I enjoyed this movie. It's it's basically an X-Men movie uh, if it was done with uh, a, a low budget and like in kind of primarily in one location. Like how do you make an X-Men movie but – you know, in like primarily one location and like make it interesting. And like, how do you do interesting special effects or visual effects? And um, how do you make this into a story that's really gripping? And I thought they, they did a, a wonderful job with it. And, and primarily one of the best things they did in addition to casting people like Emil Hirsch and Bruce Dern uh, and Grace Park and Amanda crew is they cast this girl named Lexi Kolker, who was seven years old at the time that they filmed the movie. And, she is amazing. This is like a star in the making. This is like when I saw like Brooklyn Prince in uh, Florida Project. You know, you just get the sense that like, oh, this is a, a, a an actor who's going to uh, go on to do great things. And she's awesome. She's like uh, the protagonist of this movie, basically. And 
you know, kids tend to uh, be really hit or miss, I find, when it comes to being in any movies, let alone genre films. Um, but she really sells this character and what this character is capable of and all the harrowing things that this character has gone through. And I thought she did an amazing job. So Freaks, it's pretty fun. And it's just kind of this great little take, the sci-fi take on this concept. And I'm just trying not to spoil anything about it because uh, part of the pleasure of a movie is like discovering what's happening to all these characters. So congrats to Adam and Zach. Again, check out the conversation on Culturally Relevant. And that's Freaks. It's available on Netflix right now. Speaking of Netflix, I also had a chance to check out this show called Love is Blind. Have you guys heard of the show? Oh, <laughs> yes. People won't stop talking I about was going to say yeah. the exact same phrase. <laughs> so uh, this is not a show I'd recommend to any of you. You know, like, uh-huh. Jeff, we were talking about, like, Devs and Dave and Breeder. And like, oh, D- Dave Chen's right all the time. This is not a show I'd recommend, but I... I've seen so many people no, talking no, about. You know, sometimes when you no, see so many, no people one about, said yeah, Dave Chen is right all the time. No one, no one said. It. You just kind of brushed <laughs> over that, like, oh, Dave, no, Dave Chen is right I, all the time. No, no one said that. No one's. No, I, th- I think that's what we. Said. I, I think that's what we said, though. Isn't that what we no, said? One, no one said like, that. Did, no. Are you I'm sure? Pretty sure. Are you? I'm pretty sure. Did we agree that Dave Chen? No. Anyway, uh, so Love Is Blind is this show where uh, basically. It's a reality show on Netflix that was airing week to week. It just aired not only its finale, but a reunion episode. Uh, the, the the show was mostly shot in fall of 2018, and uh, it aired recently. And then they just shot a reunion episode very recently and aired that as well. And the premise of the show is uh, these men and women meet in this like facility, and they date each other in these pods where they can they can only hear each other but not see each other. And at the end of it, whoever is like proposes to another character or actor or person on the show, uh, they move on to the next stage and then they do all the weddings on one day, right? So whoever is proposing, you know, like they, they do all, all those people then get married on one day. Uh, and the idea is that you do not see the person physically until you have agreed to propose to them to get married, right? Um, so th- the first time you're seeing them is. When after you've already proposed and they've accepted. Well, let me just say, we had this show, right, where, yeah, these these marriages were just happening uh, based on no site, none at all. But yeah. the global pandemic rising, like, you know, I'm I, to me, this feels more like the end times in coronavirus. Just saying. Yeah, you're not wrong, just. Devendra. You are not wrong. Yeah. So there are actually other shows that are even more extreme than this one, as you're indicating, yeah, right? Yeah. So there's a show called um, Married at First Sight. So that's like you don't even <laughs> see, you don't even talk to the person as far as I know. Like you you just like meet and uh, you you marry a complete stranger. So just at, effectively at love invalidates is- the entire concept of marriage. At this point, a marriage is is, is just a. It's just a plot device. Well, it's not even anything. I actually, uh, well, for, first of all, I agree with you that. Married. Let's just say I agree that married at first sight is terrible. I don't agree that it invalidates the entire concept of marriage because, like, for much of human history, you know, marriage was primarily like a property exchange. So, yes, that's true. It's only in the last. It's only in the last century or so that like we now conceive of marriage as like, oh, this is a way. A, you marry people you love. B, it's a way of like uh, attain. You know, like you 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 marry someone for like personal or emotional fulfillment. Like no, you're, for most you're right. of history, yeah, it's like a it's like a business or a political. I I I I, I yeah. Shouldn't have said that. You're absolutely right. In fact, I we have family friends uh, uh, of Indian descent whose parents 
um, were a arranged marriage and they didn't meet yeah. until the day that they were supposed to get married. And they have one of the most loving, happy marriages of any uh, of the people I know. So I shouldn't have said that. You're right. No. Th- well, that being said, Jeff, it's one thing if that's like part of your family's and your right. people's traditions. It's another thing if you're doing it to extract the maximum amount of No, no. I think this is exactly the same thing as a, an arranged <laughs> marriage handled by- a, Thousands of years yeah, of tradition. Yeah. Exactly yeah, the same. yeah no. Families doing the best for you as they see fit, you know, but still. But, but TV, I, I, TV ratings. <laughs> I agree that like the question I had after watching this is like, are straight people okay? Is because <laughs> y- y- like no, because the the people in the show are super. They seem like the you know when they do the talking head interviews, it's like this is my last chance to find love, right? Is like this show, and these are like very attractive people, like some of whom seem actually professionally successful. So who knows if they're just like lying or playing it up? But it's like, dude. Uh, you you really can do better than this show that's hosted by the Lachey's. You know what I mean? Um, I'll just say this about the show, which is it is a beautiful disaster. And what I mean by that is when these people, so several people like actually, you know, the first few episodes is like a typical show. Oh, like, hey, we're watching these little dates happen in these pods where they can't see each other. Oh, it's so cute. Or, you know, some of these people say really ignorant things, whatever. But then when they actually meet, then it's time for them to like actually like meet each other's family. Like some of them propose, some of them say yes. They meet each other's families and they start like learning all about the other person. And then the, you start to realize like maybe I should not have accepted a marriage proposal from this person without ever having seen them in person or met their families or knowing anything else about their life. You know, uh, and you start to kind of grasp like what a terrible decision this was. And it's kind of like a. A, tr- a slow motion train wreck that unfolds episode to episode where like people are learning all these terrible things about each other, but then they're kind of locked into this whole marriage decision. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, really deeply upsetting to watch. And uh, I'm sad to say that I watched a lot of it. So Man, I just don't, I do not have the molecule that you have <laughs> in my brain. Listen, that, Life is different when you're quarantined. I guess. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. Let's not. Let's not. Let's be serious. He was going to watch this regardless of any. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. Well, speaking of uh, appearing the best for your significant other, we got to uh, talk about our, our next sponsor, Native. Jeff Kanata, you want to tell people about Native? I wish I could let people smell me. That's how I would love to tell people about Native. Native is my deodorant. <laughs> Um, my, honestly, what, what really genuinely happened the other day is that my wife, uh, leaned out of the bathroom and yelled to me across the house, honey, do you still have a promo code for native? And I was like, yeah, yeah. She's, can we get more of that stuff? And I was like, yeah, why do you want it? She's like, I just think we should start using things with fewer ingredients in them. And I was like, all right, let's get it. Because native, that's really what it is. It's ingredients you know. It's a great smelling deodorant that doesn't have aluminum, parabens, talc. Uh, it's vegan. It was never tested on animals. And it's, it's made with ingredients that, that you've heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter. Uh, and that's, I think my wife is much more interested in, in that kind of thing. Now, I am much more interested in smelling good. In fact, 
smelling good to her in particular. And I'm very happy to say that she also really likes the the scent of my native deodorant. Right now I've been using the eucalyptus and mint, which if you had told me, hey, Jeff, uh, I'm going to give you a deodorant that's eucalyptus and mint. What is it going to smell like? I would be like, I, I, those words have no meaning to me. But I'm here to tell you, friends, it's great. And my wife is like, get this one. It smells awesome. You're going to love it. And I do love it. But they also have other scents like coconut and vanilla, which is their most popular. Lavender and rose, uh, cucumber and mint. They also have a scentless version that uh, if you're people that are, you know, sensitive to that thing or, or uh, a baking soda, uh, which is um, baking soda free, which if you're, you know, some people don't like having baking soda or have an allergy. So they have uh, lots of options there. Plus, there's no risk to try it. There's free shipping on every order in the U.S. Plus... 30-day free returns and exchanges in the U.S. So give it a shot. See if you're going to like it more. See if you love the scent like I do. Over 9,000 five-star reviews from happy customers. Maybe you'll be one of those as well. Plus, Native uh, has relaunched their toothpaste line. I haven't tried that yet, but I'm excited to check it out. It's the most natural toothpaste um, uh, that uh, doesn't really feel like the gritty kind, you know, those natural toothpastes that, that, that feel gritty, like you're, you're brushing with sand. Nah, the, this one's uh, much nicer. Um, and uh, it comes from uh, naturally de- derived cleansers, flavors, and whiteners. Uh, great brushing experience. Uh, but like I said, I haven't tried it yet. But it comes in two minty flavors, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so maybe you should check that out. Either way, I'm here to recommend the deodorant. Uh, and... I'm here to also give you 20% off your first purchase. So whether you choose the deodorant or the toothpaste, if you visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code FILMCAST during checkout, you'll get yourself 20% off. Again, that's nativedeodorant.com, promo code FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, all one word. You'll get yourself 20% off your first purchase. Check it out. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to like how it smells and how how it's going to make you feel as well. Native. Devendra, let's go to you. What have you been watching this week? Uh, sure. Let's start with the best thing I've been watching. I checked out a couple episodes of the next season of Cosmos, Possible Worlds, and uh, it's it's fantastic. And honestly, to me, it feels like the sort of like, I don't know, bit of hopefulness we need when things are looking uh, pretty, pretty grim for us as a species. Um this is a series that, you know, it started in the 80s um, with Carl Sagan and his wife, Anne Dryan, and Anne has brought it back from the dead in, like, 2015. And this is the second version of that revamp series. It's hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson. It is exploring, pre- like, all aspects of humanity and science and innovation. But uh, it's doing it in a really hopeful way that I find uh, just really fascinating and good to hear. Watching this show to me is sort of like, I feel like what some people would get going to church. Uh, You watch an episode of this and you feel a little better about our place in the universe and our potential to be better as people, you know, as as humans, and hopefully we can figure out a way to survive moving forward. Um, I actually got to sit down and have a really great chat with Anne. So check out the Engadget podcast for that and my review over there. But you can watch this thing now on National Geographic. Um, it used to be on Netflix. Uh, it's not there anymore, but it's well worth renting or even just buying straight up because I, I feel like this is one of the best things on TV. It looks amazing, has an incredible score. Um, and yeah, it also has some of the best CG 
I've ever seen on television, right? Like, it feels like they're giving this show the budget of a big sci-fi movie. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson spends most of the show flying around in something called the Ship of the Imagination, I believe. And it just lets him, like, traverse space in time. Looks like something from Fly of the Navigator. Uh, it, it just, the way they envision alien worlds and the state of the Earth, um, you know, in our prehistoric eras, everything just looks fantastic and they they do some new mediums too like there's one episode about a russian scientist that is stop motion animated by uh, one of the producers of animalisa so it looks like they change things up quite a bit it's really interesting you'll learn quite a lot uh even if you're a science nerd i bet you'll come across new ideas and things presented here that you you know probably aren't used to you know hearing about them this way so i love that the show still exists i'm glad it's back on the air and uh, yeah, be sure to check out Cosmos. All right, that's Cosmos. What else have you been watching, Devendra? Uh, I've been watching a bit of Giri Haji, which is a Netflix show. It's actually a Netflix and I believe BBC co-production. Um, it's a Netflix and British co-production for sure. And it is, um, it's a show about a Japanese detective who ends up in London uh, trying to solve a case of his brother who may or may not be back from the dead. Um, it is very much a crime show. It's a, it's a Yakuza drama. But for me, this kind of combines, this is my peanut butter and jelly of crime shows right now because it, you, you got Japanese gangsters and you got British gangsters and these two worlds are melting, like melting together in a really interesting way. Um, I'm digging the show. Like all the actors, I think the mysteries are all pretty solid all around. Uh, it is a crime show that's keeping me more like engaged than even like the outsider did, even though it's basically a fairly standard um, whodunit story. Uh, they go to animation. They tell the story in really interesting ways. And I just really like all the actors involved. So to me, it's really compelling. And yeah, the, the idea of seeing a Japanese detective trying to solve a crime in London without alerting the British authorities. It's uh, it's all kind of interesting, too. So I'm really digging it. It's Giri Haji on Netflix. Check that out. All right. Uh, Giri Haji, I've heard it's great. I'm looking forward to watching it. I haven't yeah. watched it it's yet. It's solid. It's just like a solid, uh, as I would say, it's a solid dad show. Like, this is a Bosch of Yakuza and British gangster show. <laughs> <laughs> great description. Also, Devinger, I also watched the first uh, couple episodes of Dispatches from Elsewhere, the next thing yeah. you, you talked So we should have put this at the top, but it's okay. Right. What did all you right. think of the first couple episodes of Dispatches saw, from Elsewhere? I saw the first episode so far. Um, it's it's fine. This feels like Jason Siegel's, uh pet project. Uh, I feel like he, I remember him uh, reading about him trying to get this off of the ground for a while. It is a show that uh, it centers him and a group of other people played by Sally Field, uh, Andre Benjamin, and uh, another actress, Evelyn Lee. Um, they're all pursuing this uh, global uh, ARG, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. One, one of those widespread games. And it's actually something, I guess it's sort of based on the whole Jejun Institute thing that was a big deal in San Francisco about a decade ago. Um, it is about a guy who's living a very monotonous, unfulfilling life and him finding some sort of meaning in pursuing this game. The first episode didn't quite do it for me. Um, I'm just not quite buying Jason Siegel's character like we've seen this so many times before and this to me doesn't feel like uh his life is like a coder at a spotify-esque company and he walks to work from his you know pretty decent looking apartment and he's just really unsatisfied with his life on the face of it 
Well, it's like, dude, it's it seems you seem pretty fine. A lot of people fight tooth and nail to get to this position. Um, I understand there's like a lot more going on with him, but he didn't really sell the idea of like uh, compare that to like uh, the lead character in Office Space or something, which is another guy kind of in a similar position. But you could tell that like working there, like it, you are a rat in a cubicle maze, right? That that movie really conveys the hellishness of that existence of being a coder in a place like that and how dehumanizing it is. Um, this one just seems like he's a guy who's really stuck in his feelings and probably, you know, dealing a lot of, you know, emotional and mental issues on his own. Uh, the series kind of hints at that, but I'm just not quite feeling that with him and the broader mystery too. The, it's a surreal show. It tries to be really psychedelic to me. It's, it's, I'm just not quite buying what they're selling here. Uh, it reminds me a bit of Lodge 49 when that show can get kind of tre- freaky and trippy. But I honestly like those characters a lot more than the characters in the show. But yeah, I'll probably no, check out a couple more episodes. Great, yeah. great comparison. I mean, so the so I actually talked about the show. I was invited to discuss the show on another podcast called Extra okay. Hot Great. Um, and we reviewed the first couple episodes. And I, fundamentally, the problem with the show is... It's about an ARG, which is an alternate reality game. It's about these yeah. characters playing an alternate reality game. And they're basically going on a scavenger hunt. You're watching characters go on a scavenger hunt. That's the show, yeah. right? And, and finding meaning through their lives by doing this. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I just think that this, going on a scavenger hunt is like one of those things in a, t- in a TV show or movie that's like, it's like uh, getting high, you know? It's like, it's not that much fun <laughs> to watch people do it, in my opinion. Um, it, it may be enjoyable. You may find it enjoyable to do it yourself, but like, it's not as enjoyable to watch people do it. And uh, so, I, I it, it's not that I didn't, uh, it's not that I didn't buy Jason Siegel's character, who I think you're right is like his 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 single personality trait is he has no personality. Um, but it's more like I didn't buy that this game would would supply these people the meaning that they right. were looking for. You know, so. Right. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of it, but it's it's definitely unlike anything else I've seen on TV recently. So that's something in its credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's Dispatches from Elsewhere. I think it's on AMC, right? It so. is on AMC, yes. All right. Well, gents, um, why don't we wrap it up there and get into the Slash Filmcast After Dark. But you can find more episodes of this show at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Our, our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com and our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. I think throughout this episode, we've said where you can find more of our stuff. So uh, we'll just end it there. But next week, uh, we are going to be reviewing A Quiet Place Part 2. Quiet Place Part 2. It's going to be our review next week. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. We'll see you later. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark, the part of the show where we discuss a variety of random topics, very loose, very off the cuff. Uh, so we have we have a bunch of topics here. Uh, you had, we want to discuss the outsider, yeah. right? Why don't we? Sure. Why don't we save that for for last? Let's just bring up one topic before the outsider. How about that? For those who haven't <laughs> seen the outsider, um, any anything that you guys want to talk I about? Mean, that's I have on here I that, have something that's related to the outsider because it brought it on. Yeah, and that is hit us. I almost hesitate to bring this up to you, but it's something I wanted to talk to you guys about offline, and I figured, what better way to talk about it than as an after dark, which nobody's going to listen to anyway. It's basically just us talking, and now I have you guys here. You have to listen to me. 
But uh, yep. the, oh the reason I wasn't going to bring this up is because it's probably going to expose me as being pretty dumb. But I'm, you know, that's not the first time, not the first time, and not the last time. So no. uh, I'm prepared. Not for that. even like the tenth time. So, as you know, uh, I have a really fantastic Sonos surround sound system attached to my television, with a play bass and two play ones uh, as my my surround. My, my rear speakers. And uh, it's coming out of my television, which is a Vizio, and uh, optical into the, into the uh, play base. And the sound system sounds awesome. It's, it's rocks, man. I also have the, the subwoofer, which almost never get to use because I have children. And therein <laughs> lies the problem, is that um, I would say 100% of the things that I talk about on the show that my wife and I watch uh, all happen after my children go to sleep, which means we have to watch at a, a volume level that uh, is conducive to continuing to keep them asleep. And I'm wondering, I know I'm in a very specific situation with, you know, trying to keep the kids asleep, but I find that many shows and the outsider is a particularly egregious example of this have such wildly, very uh, varying volume levels that I have mm. to ride my volume button on my remote. Ah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. So, are you using any Jeff? Uh, there are like night modes. Yeah. So, so both, Jeff, like this the is, Apple TV and Sonos for that. I promise yeah. you, this is not a commercial for Sonos, but in the Sonos app, you can Even activate. They, they did previously sponsor. Yeah, they, us, they so. did sponsor us, but we love Sonos. Yes, yeah? they they did activate. There, there is a night mode you can activate in yes. the app that basically, as far as I understand, it. Um, oh, here I'm, I'm, I'm looking, looking at, at right, mine now. right now as at well. Lower volumes. At lower volumes, quiet sounds will be louder and... Hold on. Where see. do you see that? Uh, I'm on s- quiet sounds will be enhanced and loud sounds will be suppressed. I'm on, I'm on settings. So, We're going to... No, you, you, gotta, you, you open up one of the rooms uh-huh. and then next to the volume, there's uh, a night mode, a night sound, and also a yeah. converse, like a dialogue I enhancer. have the dialogue enhancer uh, uh, um, set and it doesn't seem to help. Yeah. Uh, I have ch- I've messed with my EQ. I have not seen a night mode... There, do you see the there. Do you see the moon icon next to the volume? No, under rooms. I know we're we're literally just <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> trouble shooting. This is riveting. Okay. But riveting. The, so the, the the real heart of the matter here, we'll get to the specifics yeah. offline. The real heart of the matter here is that I'm experiencing something that is atypical. I'm I'm a dummy. I'm a big yep. dummy, dumb dumb head. Is what you're saying? There's a solution to this. There are a couple solutions, right? And Apple TV also has something called reduced loud sounds, which you can access when you flip the drop down and you flip over to like the audio section. Like you could turn that on off pretty easily. I do that every night. I feel your pain, Jeff. Like I have, um, let me just say, I, I have some beefy tower speakers. I have a really huge center speaker and a decent sub and everything. And I, I basically can never really get to use that um, maybe during the day to play music because uh, my daughter loves to like jam out. But at night when we're watching stuff, yeah, you, all you can do is like turn on those compressors and ride. Because I love me some Ben Mendelsohn, but the dude has never said a line of dialogue above, above a murmur. You know what I'm saying? He's he's a murmurer. Yeah. He's a murmurer. And I love him. I think he's amazing. But the, I mean, there was so many times in the outsider when my wife and I'd be like, what did he say? And we have to crank up the volume. And then inevitably, right after that, it's like, 
gunshots or music yeah. swelling, and it's just I'm like no, <laughs> you know, it it is um the dude murmurs, the dude murmurs, yeah. But so also what what helps like Jeff, I'm sure you have some sort of like white noise machine on in the kids' room. Yes, yes, but, I do. Uh, you know, you know, just uh, just crank that a little. Oh, higher. we dude, it's <laughs> cranked. And my son yeah. last night when we were watching the the finale of uh, the Outsider, my son goes dada and I, I come in he's like what are you watching and i was like um i'm watching a demon be shot yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh no i didn't say that to him uh but uh <laughs> all right well i'm i'm glad to hear but you're it, saying I, um, I feel like you're saying that the I, I would explore will, software will, solutions. The problem, problem, will, the problem yes. isn't hundred yes. percent solvable, but it is ninety percent solvable. Okay. Yes, and also if it's just you watching, like if, it's, if your wife is asleep or something, uh, get get a oh, nice pair of wireless I, headphones. And every time, dude, sucker. I do that. Get some of the Bluetooth headphones. Dude. I do that, yeah. but I I have a wife. Yep, <laughs> that's fair Good enough. Stuff. I'm not going to do headphone splitters, right. man. We're not going to be that people. <laughs> I actually uh, you, just gave I, I I gave my dad uh, a pair of Raycon headphones, former Slash Film guest sponsors, Raycon. and because he he basically had he was configuring his he, he like I went over his house recently. He had this crazy configuration where he had connected the uh t like the t- output from his you know Apple TV or his whatever the hell to <laughs> a, a stereo system, and then he had like a headphone extender that went all the way across wow. the room, and, and he man, would plug works. in his headphones into that. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is a huge pain in the ass. So, so you know, you know what's funny though is I remember you were also doing a crazy, uh, <laughs> like you were you were reading subtitles, right, rather than using the headphones. And I was like, Dave, just just get the wireless. But also, I do. I remember, I, I do that's what I love about my Roku is I can plug headphones directly into the remote of the Roku. Which yes. is nice. Yes, or the app. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk about the Outsider, yeah. shall we? Let's dive into the Outsider spoilers. Yeah, yes. we're gonna do that. So the sure. Outsider spoilers, all the way through season one, starting now. So it's interesting. You guys talked about like how much you liked the the thrilling shooting shoot, shootout sequence, which I thought was pretty terrible because these characters are acting in a really dumb way. Like in my opinion, like they're like. Actively oh, doing things that thing. endanger themselves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the thing I just accused Jeff of doing, but it's like, there's like six of them. And then like yeah, the yeah, lawyer yeah. pulls up and they're like, dude, they, you know, we're here shooting something. Like, are you hearing the shots? You know, you're entering danger. Like, why are you just he, he sitting there? He's a body in the ground. Yeah. I he's he just, and like, hey guys, what's going on? And what? he's like, and they're like, go away, go away, get away. And he like drives like six <laughs> feet in one direction, you know? And he's like, let's get out and also be in danger. It just, it's it's it played out in a way that I thought was pretty. I, silly. I just think the way, like, first of all, it was a good ending to the previous episode, where it's just like shot, somebody gets shot, and then cut to black, shot, shot, shot. I was like, okay, that's a good way to lead me into finale of a show I wasn't super excited about finishing. So <laughs> I think I appreciated that. Like, it is, I, I don't think it was like well staged as an action scene, but uh, you know, the sheer insanity of it and seeing these characters kind of have to deal with it. Um, I just wish I had a, an actually interesting ending because all of it really yeah. amounted to was Cynthia Revo shouting at the guy. Yeah. It was, I thought it was, it wasn't a terrible final episode. I thought it was okay. But you know, we've seen like shows that have amazing final episodes, like Watchmen. Great final episode, right? That we just sure. saw recently. Great and this one I thought was yeah. only okay because like it was pretty anticlimactic, I thought, seeing a lot of those plot lines wrap up. 
and uh, the confrontation with El Cuco and everything like that. And then they, sh- you know, they shoot him. Uh, like, don't shoot him, or else the pa- the cave is gonna collapse because it's so delicate. You know, there's a lot of it's, it. The, just felt very contrived. There's a lot of stuff yeah. in this show where I turned to my wife and I was like, "Why do they know that for a fact?" <laughs> you know, there there was a, well, the, yeah. it all it all there was a moment where yeah. the um the the lead investigator woman I can't remember her name um she goes uh he can see everything that he sees and I'm like what when did we get that piece of information <laughs> well she, I, she, I think yeah, a lot of yeah I think she intuited character. a lot of that yeah, stuff but in she a, it, said like, it with such certainty and it's like we've never encountered yeah. this creature before we've never seen it we don't know anything about it she's <laughs> Also, how we found out about that character literally, literally was we're at the at the police station. A woman who happens to yeah. know everything we need to know overhears our conversation <laughs> and then invites us into her house to download all the pertinent information to us. I was like, really? That's yeah. That's how this character finds that out. <laughs> are Are you saying the show is badly like badly no, plotted? I, I, like frustrating to watch. No, perhaps? I really enjoyed the show a yeah. lot, but I, there are there are some things about it that are very Stephen King. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Uh, the great thing about the show is it does a great job of like what what happens when the American justice system collides with the supernatural. Yeah. force. that's sure, what sure. is great about the show. And like I, I you get Richard that. Price, yeah. who's like ultra realistic cop dramas like The Wire and mm-hmm. The Night of, and then the, like taken on Stephen King. That's just an interesting mix <laughs> yeah. of things, you know and. And yeah, I think yeah. for the most part, it does a great job of exploring like what happens when you have a thing where you can't square the circle, where you can't yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. make it Funny add you up. mentioned the night of, by the way, because I feel like my frustration with the show, when I looked at it, was like, oh, of course, the night of. Because I remember <laughs> how everybody loved that fucking thing. And there were a lot of things I really dug about it, but I found it so unsatisfying as a crime show because of issues like this, because of like very convenient plot dynamics, because of like, characters coming in without like us fully understanding them um i have not thought about that show uh, like for a single second since i finished watching it um i I think this show as a whole is stronger but then it does things like um jason bateman's character gets killed and like yeah that's okay it's it's great he gets killed there there is no like follow-through to it like in the next episode the the only reference to him getting killed was his wife saying it was like my my you know husband's last words to you were yada 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 there was no like what are you talking um, about? she stays she, her character th- stays in the show for the entire yeah. rest of the season Be- yeah i gotta no, disagree no. with you there yeah go ahead what? Though, no go. i yeah. i didn't say her character didn't disappear i said he basically disappeared well, the whole reason that ben like, mendelson stays with the case is because he feels such guilt about the death of an innocent man who he yeah this guy died in the shooting and it's like there is no follow-through to it that's what i'm saying like there what, was no what do you mean like what do you mean follow-through like I, this is if anything there's way more I, follow-through to the, his no, death than in like, any other guys, show that guys, would be he got shot in that at the end of that episode was that the first episode i no, think it was the second or third episode yeah, the second but yeah. he got shot we don't know if he died or not by the end like i think that's what oh happened. i see what you're confusing. saying like, i see yeah the, the, the show leaves it somewhat ambiguous episode, yeah by the next episode it was like my husband you know her just implying her husband died like to me it felt like that is a really confusing way to really remove to oh, take that's a why off i, I found it so like, shocking because of that like here we have i, I can i actually i actually agree with devingra i agree with devingra because like so so there's this moment when terry's is like i didn't you know he says that he's in he's dying he's shot through the neck yes. or whatever yeah and he says to like ben mendelson's character like i didn't do it you know and that's supposed to be his last words yeah. but 
it, but then like it's confusing because it's confusing because you you're you, the show never says like he's dead uh, or or it does so in like a fairly oblique way and I do think you're right the show does is occasionally kind of confusing. But that's what so, I, uh, I found that case to be point. so so powerful that she goes that was my husband's last words and that was the moment I knew for sure he was dead. I was like what what did the show just do? I thought this was a show about Jason Bateman going to be cleared you know clearing his right? name sure, you know sure. I also thought that, yeah. yeah, but it's it's weird, and we should point out, of course, that The Outsider is actually a book by Stephen King. So none of us yes, read the book, right. obviously, or else we would know that My that's not what the book is about. My wife has read the book and has been very like vocal about the things they've changed. Yeah. Um, the book seemed like a far like smaller scale story than what the show was building up, apparently. Right. But yeah, I have not read. So, but here's where I'll agree with you, Devendra. I, I, I actually I agree with you that yeah, the the death really caught me by surprise. I was like, did he die? Question mark. Did if, the main, if that's did, your question yeah. for the main actor in the show that's in all the advertisements, I feel like that's just bad storytelling. But, but it becomes well, okay. clear. Speaking yeah. of bad storytelling, there's a scene in the finale where Ben Mendelsohn's reviewing uh, the details they're like hey we got to get our like we got to we basically got to you know el cuco's dead on the ground he's like we got to yeah, get our yeah. story straight here you know we got to help out terry maitland and holly the cynthia riva character says who's terry and i have seen <laughs> tons of speculation online as to what she was what the heck was she why did that character say that? I spoke with someone else who's like a close watcher of the show who reviews shows online. I said, why did Cynthia Revo say who's Terry? And that my, my colleague responded, I have no idea. I've been thinking about it. I have no idea. <laughs> and, I, you know, I have some theories, right? The biggest theory is that like she's so engrossed in that moment of like being like understanding what El Cuco is that she like temporarily forgets who Terry is, which is really atypical of her because she knows who like won the World Series in 1936. Why would she right, forget who right. Terry is, aka her whole reason for being there? Um, another thing is like maybe uh, she's kind of like playing along with Ben Mendelsohn, like who's Terry? Oh right, like you know, like if you were to if you were to like uh, uh, it, sometimes when you say to someone like, hey, we never had this conversation. Right. What conversation? Right. That's, that's you know, how like, I took maybe it. something like that's that. How I took it. Yeah, maybe, but it, it it is confusing, and that especially coupled with. The last moment when she's googling uh, who, who who Terry is and or what what's going on with the case, and some people are like, yeah, the post credit scene. Some yeah. yeah, the post credit scene. Some people are like, wait, like so the, the the craziest theory I've seen right is that she is actually like El Cuco the entire time, or she's a separate. Well, there El seems Cuco. to be a I do think she El Cuco right because yeah. the whole the whole other boy that was killed. That the DA reviews in that moment isn't connected to any of our mm. timeline of all the people that Il Cuco has been, right? Well, there is a moment when uh, uh, Cynthia Riva's character Holly says, "Like, hey, the guy, the sniper guy is dead. Like, you know, yeah. you don't need to waste your ammo." So she does seem to imply that she's like clairvoyant or has some kind of special powers. And so I think the idea is that there are other people out there with kind of powers, right? Like that—that that is something that I think the show. Well, does a decent job of explaining they, they, of setting I think up that right? other boy you're talking about, Jeff. I think he was taken in. We see Il Cuco eating him. Oh, I thought that was a separate non. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No. But yeah, well, oh, the, I, point, but, but case in point, like some of this stuff is unclear. Yeah. Is I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. so much confusion online about like why did she say who's Terry and, and was she? And then people are like, oh, she scratched at the end. Now the thing about the scratch is, people are like, oh, is she El Cuco? No, El Cuco scratches people. In order to yeah, become, it takes their d DNA right? like, or whatever. Right, it takes their DNA, yeah. right? So it's like then, but then, why would it matter if why she scratched if El Cuco is dead? I was kind of right? hoping like, so, that the um, 
the, when when Ben Mendelsohn turns to her and says, you know, it'd be great to team up again, there's uh, there's more stuff out yeah. there, right? I was like, oh, is this like a backdoor pilot into X-Files land where next season is a completely <laughs> different crazy monster that we're chasing? You know, I think that'd be rad. I do yeah, think that watching, that's... Go yeah. ahead, Devendra, go ahead. Watching the show, all I felt the urge was like, man, I, I need some X-Files. Like, I, I gotta go watch like, the best <laughs> of the X-Files. Because like, those episodes felt like very tightly constructed and very fulfilling by the end. Whereas here, I'm left with uh, watching Holly Gibney Googling the case uh, with a scratch <laughs> on her arm. Things that just don't... A lot of things just don't make much sense. So I don't know. I think you're... you're it, my guess is, Jeff, that that last shot is a kind of shameless tease of season two of a, sh- a season two that may or may not right. ever happen. You know, it's, it's sure. their version of the Nick Fury right. in Iron Man. Like, Hey, like maybe El Cuco is still out there. Cause a lot of people pointed out, you never see her get scratched. Right. So yeah. Yeah. H- at no point would El Cuco have had the chance to scratch her. So, uh, but yeah, the craziest theory I've seen is like that the entire show, we have not been seeing Holly at all. It's been, <laughs> another a separate El Cuco version of Holly and like we're seeing the real Holly at the end and that's why she's googling this okay, case fans. you know like but I'm just like that I don't think that makes any yeah. sense you know did you did you guys watch all of Sharp Objects no no just like the first episode oh my god and you I didn't you watch Jeff, any of it yeah. you guys are sitting here <laughs> yeah like you know raving about this show which okay it's fine Sharp Objects will blow you away like, mm. I, I do think, like, it's a better constructed, far more, like, emotional with stronger characters. And the the wallop of the ending of that show is, like, I'm still feeling it. All Whereas right. this one, I just feel confused. I, I've heard much yeah. more mixed things about Sharp Objects in this show. But, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's something I'll give a shot. But, uh, yeah, Jeff, I mean, everything you said about the show, despite... Uh, you love the ending, and that's great. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that you love the ending. I thought the ending was, like, pretty disappointing. But... This is a show that was so good up until that point that it was worth it for me. And I will say that I do think, uh, to to contribute to Devinger's argument, this is a show better enjoyed all at once rather than binged. Uh, I'm Probably. sorry, rather than yeah. episodic. Yeah. Like, I do yeah. think, like, because you're, if you're watching them all at once, you don't have time to think about, like, all these little, like, all the holes. And, the, and there's not that much plot that happens in many of the episodes. So you're not really bored by it because it's just, like, you're you're taking the whole story at once. So... I, I think it's great, but yeah, that, that finale was pretty weak sauce, in my opinion. So any uh, any other thoughts, Jeff, about the finale? Like you want to tell us more about what you loved about it? I mean, it? I don't know if I used the word it? loved. Maybe I did. I don't I don't think I loved it. I thought it was pretty pretty <laughs> satisfying and and I really thought I guess because my expectation of the finale was that we were not gonna get any real resolution. Uh, and I thought it was mm. I was pleasantly surprised that there was it felt like if there was never a season two this would be a complete story, which is I didn't I didn't think right. would happen. So maybe that's where I was happy. Um, yeah. One thing I want to mention, it did feel like after all the buildup for El Cuco, we get a pretty short conversation, but like not much. Yeah. There's and not like much going on there. And it's like this character, you're saying this is an entity that existed, you know, for millennia or something. It, it is kind of interesting if he if it can't even remember why it exists. But all I was thinking of, like, was uh, Doctor Sleep and the band of, like, soul-sucking villains and, like, how they were built up so well in in three hours. That's a long movie. But they were built up to, like, you understood that these were beings that have existed for a while and you know who they are and you know what they're doing. Whereas 
El Cuco has a conversation and then dies. Well, and even that felt. I loved. To me. I loved in the earlier episodes the this concept I've never seen before, where the thing didn't just want to kill someone; it wanted to decimate an entire family. And I just felt like that was yeah, such a yeah. powerful. And you see how that all played out mm-hmm. with the first family of the boy, step by step by step. It just like it was like, oh my god, it's brutal. Yeah. And then just seeing that that's the methodology is this thing wants to feed on the the pain that spreads across an entire family. Yeah. I thought that was pretty horrifying concept. And also it goes after children because children taste sweetest. And that is another idea he explored yeah. in Dr. Sleep. So it, yeah. is, it is funny to see a lot of these things being recycled by Stephen King. Yeah. I mean, I did like the idea. Uh, so I agree with you, Devinger, that his, his getting shot, like comes with a very, El Cuco's getting shot comes with very little like ceremony, you know, like uh, Patty Considine shows up, Right. And you think there's going to be like a big confrontation and nope, he just kind of shoots him. Uh, I don't mind the conversation. I just like say something interesting. Tell yeah. me something new. Give I did me like something the, to chew on. I did like the idea of like Holly asking the character, like, why do you feed off kids? Like, what do you, and, and it's like, it, it's like asking a human, like, why do you eat? Yeah. You know, like yes. it's because yeah. a, a human has no conception of why it exists or what it's yeah. for you know why would like, you eat veal it's just like it t- tastes good why, yeah why do you eat veal? <laughs> or, or, like why, why do you kill other things to survive and it's just like well that's just the way i, I am you yeah. know like and i get that like basically the idea of like two two other creatures in let's say the animal kingdom like humans are equally horrifying sure you know what i mean compared to el cuco right and i like that that was brought out in, in the finale but, but so, didn't they- it's not it wasn't it wasn't like i said it wasn't terrible it, it didn't it wasn't like wow that they really whiffed on that it just was like ooh, i wish it had been more deserving of how awesome the rest of the show was please, please. um there's also the final please sorry, forgive me if i'm misremembering this because it's an awful thing to misremember but didn't the original boy also get raped no, I don't believe so. I thought that at one I don't point think so. no. but he was he was naked. <laughs> I thought at one I point believe. they had said yeah. that he yeah. had been like raped with a an implement. And I was like, what a f- horrible thing to say. Maybe I'm, if I'm misremembering that boy, I yep. really feel awful. Listen, Stephen King has not been kind to no, kids. I was like, his, it's all, uh, his I remembered it because so, it was yeah. such a horrible thing to hear and then I was like, why would that monster do that? Uh but maybe I just yeah. misheard something or somehow. So, so here in, from the Wikipedia page in Cherokee City, Georgia, the, mula- the mutilated corpse of Frankie Peterson, a young boy, is found covered in saliva and human bite marks. So maybe you took the saliva. A little uh, I far, thought it was something. Something had been whatever. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm wrong but, about that. Yeah. Um, uh, in any case, I think that uh, the the finale was okay. Not great. Not bad. Uh, Jeff, you liked it. Devendra, it, it doesn't sound like it did anything to redeem the show for you, right? I mean, I, do, I don't think it's irredeemable. I just feel like, man, I wish I could see a better show here. I could see mm. a better show if you didn't, like, waste my time for several weeks. Like, honestly, Holly Gibney should have been there much earlier because she really injected some life into the show. Uh, I just feel like if they had condensed a lot of this plot into six or, you know, six or seven episodes or something, it would have been stronger. I have seen that complaint a lot. Like, I've seen a lot of people say, like, I wish it had been shorter. They could have shaved off a couple episodes. And I'm like... I was never bored during it, you know. And like I, liked I don't know. How the, the, I was never bored. I'm, the I'm just team like, sort of was cobbled together in a very unconventional yeah, way, and it just yeah. kept. And by the end, you have this entire team of people that I never thought were going to be like main characters in this story, but they all were. You know, <laughs> right. I thought it was cool. And it just, it just here's what's here's what's I think was necessary about the length is it. I believe that it would take people a while to believe in something like El Cuco. Like I, I believe, and I, I think you need to feel that time. 
pass in the show somehow. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, anyway, it, it worked for me, but I understand it didn't work for everyone. Anyway, shall we wrap it up there, gents? Anything else you want to say? Yep. All right. That's it. Our thoughts on The Outsider. See you next week.